Welcome to episode 44 of the Accessibility Craft Podcast, where we explore the art of creating accessible websites while trying out interesting craft beverages. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Equalize Digital, a WordPress accessibility company and the proud creators of the Accessibility Checker plugin. In this episode, we interview Jim Nicknick, web developer at Lafayette College, and get an inside look at how their organization tackles accessibility campus-wide. For show notes and a full transcript, go to accessibilitycraft.com slash 044. And now, on to the show. Hey, everybody. It's Amber, and I'm here today with Chris. Hello, everybody. Excited to be here. And we have a special guest, Jim Nicknick. Jim, do Hello. you want to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Jim Nicknick. I'm a web developer at Lafayette College in Easton, Pennsylvania. I've been with the school since about two years. And uh, previously, I was a web developer in marketing for about 15, 16 years, uh, mostly working on you know, either client or now, you know, internal webs, uh, websites, uh, a lot of it WordPress focused, um, plus a lot of uh, various platforms that we we uh, manage and maintain. And um, I'm very, um, very uh, involved in a lot of our accessibility efforts, especially on the digital side. Yeah, well, we're excited to have you here. Uh, we met Jim at WP Campus this summer. And we were chatting and we discovered a uh, like interest in accessibility and craft beverages. And I thought, what's better than bringing you on the podcast? So Absolutely. Welcome. Absolutely. Thank you. I'm, so very, I'm I, very excited to be here. I'm excited. You're the first guest we've had from a uh, university. We've had a lot really? of guests from uh, outside of higher ed, but mm. we do a lot in higher ed. And, and I know we have listeners who are in higher ed. So we're excited that you were going to come on. Um, we're going to talk a lot about accessibility as it relates to higher ed and websites in general. But before we always have to have a beverage. So Chris, do you want to tell everyone what we're drinking today? Yeah. So I had, I had a lot of fun shopping for this one because uh, Jim sent us his notes before we recorded this and uh, was like, Hey, I like, I like these kinds of things. And um, I know one of the things that you like Jim is Belgians. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I tried to find like, you know, I didn't want to just get, you know, West mall or something typical. Right. Um, sure. So I tried to find an interesting one, um, which is uh, this one is called voodoo love child. And it is a fruited Belgian style triple ale um comes in a can and um i believe voodoo brewing is pennsylvania based yes. um yeah it's in meadville yep. um and lafayette is of course in in pennsylvania um so so have you had this uh, before i have not i have not i've heard that i've seen the name around but i've not had it before oh well that's good yeah. that's, <laughs> we're just trying to have new things i've had a i feel like i've had voodoo before we used to live in New York. Hmm. Um, but I don't, I haven't, I definitely haven't had this. So have you had any voodoo? Mm -hmm. I have, I have, yeah, I have had, um, it was years ago, uh, uh, my friend Brad, he's always wanted to, to drive around and get stuff and bring stuff in. He's got a friend, uh, RJ who always is bringing him stuff. And yes, I've had, I've, that's how I was familiar with the name. Uh, I had something years ago. I don't remember what it definitely was not. It was definitely not a Belgian though, because I don't, uh, Brad doesn't like Belgian. So <laughs> I know, I know for a fact it wasn't that, uh, it was probably an IPA if I had to guess, uh, from, from Brad or, or an ale. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's go ahead and crack these open. Um, and right. we can, we can give this, uh, give this a smell and give it a taste. And we're not super formal about this, uh, Jim, since I know this is your first time on the podcast, it's just, mm -hmm. Crack it open and enjoy your beer however you would like to enjoy your beer in whatever order. I was bringing and, glass. 
Oh, well, there you go. So you can That's see good it. That's for, good for getting the nose and the color. Yep. Um, I'm I'm doing it less classy today. I'm leaving mine in the can. Um, <laughs> I, I will say um, before I open mine while you all are tasting it, I was impressed when I looked at the ingredients that in addition to typical beer ingredients, you know, like barley, hops, yeast, all that kind of stuff. It says cherries, raspberries, and passion fruit. Sometimes yes. you get fruited beers, but they don't actually list any fruit. And I'm right. like, what's in this? And is it actually fruited? <laughs> so no, I this appreciate is definitely... that. All um, right, I got to open mine. Okay. A um, lot of fruit on the nose. I'm primarily getting the berry and the cherry. Um, oh, I get the passion fruit. Do you get the passion fruit? I guess, yeah, it's, it's there. It's in an, it's, there's like an undertone of it. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, on the first sip impression for me, I'm really impressed by like, it's very full bodied in terms of a beer. Like it's, it's very, very thick, very viscous. Um, but at the same time, it's not, it's not stout like in its flavor. Like right. I, it has like the, it has like the, the mouthfeel, the, the heaviness of a, of a stout in terms of its texture, but it's, it's a lot lighter on the palate, which I appreciate. Um, what do you think, Jim? Um, well, actually, I I didn't really I didn't really uh, think so much of the, the viscosity, but you could see it on the glass. Mm -hmm. um, I, I didn't really think mm -hmm. about that just in my mouth, but you could see the viscosity in the glass. Um, so it's definitely you know everything you're saying is is 100 on par with what I'm seeing there. But I mean, mm -hmm. taste wise, uh, I definitely I, I, the, the passion fruit was also what kind of jumped out at me. Um, and I mean, but it you know it's it's you know if, if you would close my eyes and put this in front of me, I, I would have said this is this is a, a Belgian with with um, some kind of tropical flavor. Or something mm -hmm. that, I, but taste-wise, yeah, it's, it's very tropical mm -hmm. to me, mm -hmm. which I like. Because sometimes when you get like, you know, I saw raspberry and cherry, and I mean, I know it's a Belgian, it's not a sour, but I sort of thought, is it going to be like a sour where that's almost all you taste? Right. right. And this is not that way. Like, it's not it, just overpowering raspberry. And that's 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 that goes a long yeah. way in my book. I um nothing against overly fruited beer, but, uh, I feel like as I've gotten older, my body doesn't, uh, respond to it as well. Um, mm -hmm. and this, this is definitely, I mean, like I said, you know, it's, it's, it's Belgian with the fruit, not like fruit and, and, you know, some, you know, Belgian flavor. Mm -hmm. So how far away is the, this, they have a brewery that you can go to. Do you so, know? Uh, I know, I know the town name. I, I I've never, I don't know. Oh, where so it's it not is. super close to where you no. are. No. Would yeah, you not... would you go in and have more? Does this does this make you want to have oh. more voodoo beer? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What about mm. you, Chris? Would you they drink are... it again? Um, I I always appreciate Belgians, and I think the reason that I appreciate them versus like a a, a lager or an IPA or an ale or any of the others is just there's this additional layer of complexity with the secondary fermentation that they're supposed to do. And I don't know if, cause this isn't bottled, right? So I don't know if Voodoo is doing their secondary fermentation in a tank or if they're, or if they're, cause it, you know, normally it's like with a Belgian, um, it's like, it, it continues to ferment inside the bottle. Um, and you get just this, a just this additional layer of complexity, right? Like I can, I can think about this beer. I can taste a lot of different things. It's not like one punchy note and then done right. like an IPA. Um, and I'm getting just lingering flavors. Um, and they, the, the flavor kind of changes over time. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's something I can appreciate, um, and think about versus just, you know, slam them back. Right. Absolutely. Um, 
And that's my yeah. favorite part about a Belgian versus an IPA. And again, I'm a huge IPA guy, but it, it really just depends on what I'm doing. And and like usually I'll have a Belgian if I'm just sitting out on my back deck enjoying the weather and I just want the I want the taste to resonate for a while and I want to still enjoy it after, you know, after it's gone. Um mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. The I other thing I'll say that I uh, a lot really of layers in this. Mm -hmm. The other thing I really appreciate about this, and I know Amber and Steve and I have spoken about this before with other beers we've had, is um, I really appreciate the level of acidity in this beer. Mm -hmm. um, some some beers have kind of like this this uh, finish that kind of sucks moisture out of your mouth. It's like a mm -hmm. really dry finish, but I'm not talking about sugar content. I'm talking about like how much or little the beverage makes you salivate. And right. the more a beverage makes you salivate after you drink, the more wet your mouth feels after you drink, like that's an indicator of acidity. And so I really appreciate the level of acidity in this. It's making me want to come back for more. I don't feel like I have to cut it with something else or have it with food right. or, or whatever. It's, it's really good. It's really good. We need yeah. to have more Bel Belgians on here. Uh, <laughs> we've only done one other Belgian oh, really? in four something episodes. Yeah. And so I, I need to do more of them. Yeah, so yeah. that's usually that's usually what you find in my refrigerator. It's either it's either always no, it's either it's both. It's, it's always going to be IPAs and Belgians, and and it just really depends on the day for me. I mean, what I'm doing, what I'm eating, if I'm grilling, always always I have a beer with me when I'm grilling. I mean, it's 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 sacrilegious not to. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. So what would you what would you grill with this? You know, it's interesting because when you say that, like this really does. I think maybe it's the tropicalness, but to yeah. me, like, it seems like it would go really well. And like, I'm a vegetarian, but I'm like thinking like, even like a grilled pineapple. Like this I, and maybe yep. you do chicken or something. I, I was went, went, went right for chicken and I thought nice pineapples, some peppers, some onions, some rice. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, eat grilled I, I tofu. think, <laughs> I think this would. Good. <laughs> this would absolutely uh i think with the acidity it would cut spiciness i think this would absolutely slap with like a jamaican jerk chicken yes or something with some pineapple and i have oh, yeah, something quite a few, spicy i have quite a few sauces i have a bunch of um i'm, I'm a big i'm a big spice guy too i like i like spicier food so i have a bunch of mm -hmm. uh caribbean uh hot sauces that are that are made for you know for uh for grilling um yeah, right away I thought, oh, that will go good with. Uh, there's like I can think of two bottles upstairs right now I have that would go great with this uh, on the grill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, that and that was a that was a fun detour into beerland. Um, <laughs> and and Jim, I, Jim, I like your taste in beer and that you encouraged us to discover this together. Um, I'm glad that's the one you picked. I really when when you said you were going to send to Belgium, I was like, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I, IPAs are you know I love IPAs. They're uh, obviously they become more of a dime a dozen um belgian ales and i also brought up scotch ales which are you know more seasonal unfortunately it seems to be but um mm -hmm. when i find a scotch ale i jump on it i jump yeah on i it. don't I'll, know I'll that we've done a scotch ale before so maybe you should give us a recommendation no. and we can do one sure because i don't even know if i've tried a scotch ale what's your favorite oh, well my favorite right now is one from uh this brewery in wildwood that we go to a lot in wildwood new jersey um um, I'm blanking on the name of it. I had the growler somewhere. Um, Mudhen, Mudhen. I almost put the okay. shirt on today too. Mudhen. Um, there's another one from uh, it's called Scotty Karate. You could probably get this from a brewery <laughs> in Michigan. It might be Dark Horse <laughs> Brewing. Uh, Scotty Karate. Uh, it's it's outstanding. And a couple of the places around here usually will have it on tap. Uh, probably probably soon. Which will mm -hmm. you know put me on the hunt for that because I mean I'll I'll drink a beer I have like fifty of in my refrigerator if it's on tap somewhere at a bar like just kind of like well mm -hmm. I, I never get it on tap 
Um, so usually I'll go start this time of year. It is interesting how different a beer can taste when you get it tapped mm-hmm. out of a keg, right? Versus in a bottle or a can. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Well, we'll, we'll make sure that, uh, yeah, for sure. And, um, we'll try to link at least one of those if we can track it down online in the show notes so that people can try it before we even try it on here. Yeah. Um, Amber, do you want to take us away with some questions for Jim? Because I know we're I'm itching to hear about accessibility at Lafayette College and uh, and hear more about that. Yeah, well, I mean, Jim, do you want to give us for people who aren't familiar? Can you give a little background on Lafayette? Maybe how big it is? How many web properties are you all managing or are there? Because this is a fun thing about higher ed. Sure. And we were talking about this a little in the pre-show is sometimes there are web properties that are branded on the college, but mm-hmm. the main web team doesn't um, have anything to do with them. So what does that landscape look like? So the ones that we manage internally, um, we don't host internally anymore, but the ones that we manage internally, the WordPress ones anyway, we have 170 something uh, sites just from our our kind of main, um, our main web presence, a lot of multi-sites, or I'm sorry, uh, like subdomain multi-sites. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that one WordPress multi-site with 170 subsites with 170 subsites right okay got it and then we have a few other one-offs we have we have one that runs about 2,000 sites another one that runs about 3,000 sites and these are um more these are more kind of like plug and play like somebody comes and requests one or or one of them is used for like a a student or a faculty member or something so yeah we have one where if a student or faculty wants a site for something we set them up on that one that's the one that has about 2000 then we have another one that's used for um specific courses and that's that has about you know 3000 so those are those are not uh we we obviously manage the infrastructure we manage the deployment stuff like that but we don't uh, the sites themselves are all basically you know, uh, WordPress themes that we've all, you know, we've vetted, we've gone through and, you know, to ensure that, you know, they function, but it's very limited capabilities. The, um, the other ones, the, the department sites, the Lafayette sites are all WordPress, um, themes that, that we, we had built and then we, we've maintained and modified, uh, over the course of the last eight years. So they're um, custom themes. They are custom themes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and then beyond that, we have a few other one-offs that we run uh, for for certain you know other departments. But yeah, it comes you know we have a bunch of multi-sites, but the 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 main ones the is is all the that you know the hundred and seventy something department sites. And do you have Drupal sites or any other non-WordPress sites? We as do well? have we do have some Drupal sites. Um, those are more more intranet-y in in nature mm. more more for internal use uh throughout the college for everybody but not not as much i mean they're they are technically public facing but not you know as as advertised um those are also being transitioned though those are just they're, they're just stragglers previously i think uh, i believe we were on drupal for everything so all the wordpress sites we have now were once one upon a time drupal from what i understand like i said I was, i've only been here for about two years so i'm you know um so there might have been stuff that was not drupal but um uh, aside from that, then 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 there are various properties, various websites and platforms that are not hosted on prem by us at all. They're they're through other services, other platforms that um, like like for our athletics and um, certain things for like uh, admissions intakes, things like that. They're just not necessarily done through WordPress. They're not necessarily hosted through us um, mm-hmm. uh, for events, events management stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. There, there are quite a, there are quite a number of 
Yeah, like registration websites or buying mm -hmm. tickets. And so it's yes. a platform that's purchased specifically for that. Correct. Purpose. Correct. Mm -hmm. So with that number of sites, how big is your team? Uh, so our team, not very large. Uh, so our web content team is about six, seven people. Okay. Uh, uh, on that is three developers, um, some instructional technologists, um, some managers. Um, but yeah, that for the most part, development wise, there's yeah, there's three of us. There are other developers throughout um, who help maintain some of the other, like from the other departments, but who maintain some of the other stuff, and then. Um, we like for some of those external services, we do have, I mean, we have like uh, other divisions of it who more or less manage that. And, you know, we chime in when need be, um, our, one of our senior guys who's on the, our normal web team, he, he has more hands on that stuff. It's, it doesn't, you know, if it doesn't come through for development, a lot of it won't cross some of our, like our web content teams, you know, table, it won't come on our agenda, but yeah, for the most part, it's, it's, it's the three of us doing you know, the majority of, of the development work anyway. And then the other four people are all involved in various capacities, you know, for overseeing things, reviewing reports, putting together, you know, uh, project plans and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'd be curious, and I'm sure Christy might have some follow-up questions too. Could you just share a little bit for everyone what the accessibility journey has looked like at Lafayette? And if you know a little bit of the history, even from before you've been there, um, you know, like, how people how maybe it's changed in priorities and just what that even looks like when a new website launches this episode of accessibility craft is sponsored by equalized digital accessibility checker the wordpress plugin that helps you find accessibility problems before you hit publish a wordpress native tool accessibility checker provides reports directly on the post edit screen Reports are comprehensive enough for an accessibility professional or developer, but easy enough for a content creator to understand. Accessibility Checker is an ideal tool to audit existing WordPress websites, find accessibility problems during new builds, or monitor accessibility and remind content creators of accessibility best practices on an ongoing basis. Scans run on your server, so there are no per-page fees or external API connections. GDPR and privacy compliant, real-time accessibility scanning. Scan unlimited posts and pages with Accessibility Checker free. Upgrade to a paid version of Accessibility Checker to scan custom post types and password-protected sites. View site-wide open issue reports and more. Download Accessibility Checker free today at equalizedigital.com forward slash accessibility dash checker. Use coupon code ACCESSIBILITYCRAFT to save 10% on any paid plan. Sure. So when, um, I mean, it's a lot, some of the, a lot of the accessibility standards were in place, you know, before I got there, but even when I interviewed uh, about two years ago, uh, accessibility was a major thing for them. They, you know, they wanted somebody who had uh, experience with accessibility um, and, you know, somewhat of a, a passion for, or at least, you know, someone who was, who was ready to keep that in mind at all times. Um, and like I said, coming from marketing there, you know, working with clients, especially banking clients and, and um, uh, you know, like utility clients. I mean, accessibility is, you have to, you have to, you know, you have to, you know, have a strong accessibility initiative. Um, 
so I, I like I said, I don't know the full history of of, of where we are now, but um, we've you know we've always had uh, various accessibility scans that, that you know have you know send us reports, provide us reports, and then one of the one of the team agenda, you know, the web team's agendas is always to review and you know modify, adapt in usually cycles of of you know importance. Like you know we try to hit stuff right away, like the the stuff that's most important right away, and then within a week or two you know, roll out of everything else into our themes, into our, you know, our systems. Um, aside from that, I mean, there are, um, I'm also a member of, uh, we have an accessibility working group, which is a team of the entire, of, of, of people from various departments throughout the college. And this is more than just digital accessibility, but there are, you know, we have people from our web team, we have people, other people from IT, we have people from, you know, missions and all, uh, all other, you know, a bunch of other. Like faculty, uh, do you have students on the working group too? We don't have students on the working group, but we do have, um, they do put together kind of small focus groups from time to time of students to also be a part of it. So there's not, there, there aren't, there aren't students that are on there, but um, it's funny you mentioned that because I was at a, I was at another conference uh, uh, last month, um, Hyatt Webb. Mm-hmm. And one of the, one of the talks I went to was focused on getting student workers involved and all the different benefits of it and accessibility. Again, it's always something like as soon as something comes up, we, we go right to like, okay, well, how can we utilize this for accessibility? And that's again, what I thought first, like right away was like, okay, could we get a team of, of reoccurring student workers? Usually these are, these are for, you know, um, quality assurance stuff, things like for testing and all that. But um, I mean, again, that that's exactly right up the alley of what we want. We, you know, we need this. Um, so we, we don't have, yeah, we don't have any dedicated students, but we do, you know, from time to time have to put together kind of, you know, uh, ad hoc, uh, you know, um, groups, you know, working groups. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so, yeah, so the physical, I said the, the accessibility team in and of itself is great because, um, well, especially right now we're putting together, um, a site which is focused on just accessibility throughout the college, everything we have that is accessible, um, and we're reaching out to various departments uh, to say, hey, okay, what do you have that's accessible? What can you communicate that's accessible? What do you need that's accessible? You know, and the idea is to have a centralized hub where we can, you know, not just tell people about physical or digital accessibility, but, you know, just things in terms of like, where are the elevators, where are the ramps, where are the, you know, we're working on some map work as well. Um just just everything you know and and how can we get ongoing communications for things like hey an elevator goes down where do you go you need a hub we need a place to say just so you know this elevator is going to be out in this building for the next week plan accordingly or, so or, or so this accessibility it. hub is is a digital extension of your accessibility working group which is correct all these people from all over lafayette that are kind of coming together focusing on accessibility in all of these wide ranges of applications mm-hmm. and uh, that I was going to just ask like what the what a typical meeting when one of these get togethers in the working groups happen like looks like like or is it all async all the time and everybody's just collaborating ad hoc or are there like uh regularly scheduled stand up meetings where everybody's getting together bringing all their issues just like how does this look operationally um so from an uh, outsider's my, my perspective boss, my boss runs it um he's he's the uh He's the head of the application integration development team, and he uh, he runs it. So he corresponds with everybody throughout the you know between meetings. Uh, we every meeting um, is structured with. There's always an ongoing agenda with agenda documents, notes, and minutes, and all that. 
uh he'll always he'll always kind of before you know before updating the agenda which is always available to us and for the next meeting he'll usually reach out to say hey these are the things that we you know we're looking to to you know focus on this time um maybe make sure this person or this person is present or maybe bring in you know this person from this department things like that so there's always there's always a heads up um uh beforehand you know to kind of you know so people know just in case you know because when you get a lot of people on a, on a meeting obviously there's always people who, who may may not be able to make it so if it if it's going to be focused on a particular topic or there's you know there's gonna be a promise for one topic over another then usually it'll be like okay well, let's make sure that that this is gonna you know this is gonna work out this time because we really need to focus on this so yeah there's there's a lot of communication between stuff and then Usually there's always takeaways tasks, depending on, you know, what it is that, you know, for various people in, on the meeting, you know, to kind of do between, you know, from meeting to meeting. And then there's, you know, correspondence in between to say, hey, this is where we are. This is where we're going. So and that that's yeah. only one part of it. I mean, like I said, that that's just that that's like the full accessibility, you know, team. Then, you know, we're we're always weekly looking over reviewing like for the web presences and stuff like that. I mean, so there's there's always an ongoing thing. And, and I know a lot of the. Uh, departments for their own internal, you know, needs are always, you know, they have their own kind of internal agendas and that, they, you know, that's, the, that's the nice thing about the meeting is like, okay, now we can come back and communicate what have we done and how do we have to get that information out there? Yeah. I think, I think a really big takeaway for our listeners on this is it's so important to have people from all areas of the organization, whether you're higher ed and you're bringing in faculty or mm -hmm. department heads um, or you're in a business and you're bringing in people, you know, from various parts of the organization, because it shouldn't always be just a developer problem, right? Mm. Accessibility is so much bigger than that. And I love that you all at Lafayette are doing this, like you're bringing a lot of stakeholders from across campus right. and, and saying, this is important. We're going to have a regular meeting. We're going to talk about what needs to be done and then have tasks out of that in between and, and all of those things. And I think that's really important. Because if you just leave it to like, oh, we're going to wait and test websites when they're ready to launch, <laughs> right? That doesn't that doesn't work well, right? No, and and I'll tell you the most beneficial thing for me being a part of some of these groups is the perspective that's provided. Um, people tend to focus on accessibility for what they're responsible for, but they don't think about how much more there is to accessibility. You know, until they're until they're faced with it. So that you're constantly, you know, you're faced with a very specific task. So this this just kind of constantly keeps our, all of us in perspective, of, uh, you know, in check of, of what, you know, not just like what one person is doing, but what one person could do to help assist somebody else's efforts, you know, and that's that's the thing that um, and one of my favorite takeaways from from the various every time I go to a conference, I I try to sit through the accessibility talks, the various um, just for the perspective, if nothing else for the perspective um because you know we're, we're always focusing on people with like very specific like you know like we might have hearing needs visual needs you know uh physical needs but one of the things where you know i remember i kind of floored about it. it's so simple but like somebody you know throughout there in, in one of the first uh conferences i went to they said you know we're always focused on people who have lifelong needs what about people with temporary needs and it's like oh my god that's so simple but you're right you know and, and i know it's 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 a given but it's it's you know you don't you know you'll think about that you look and say okay well we could say there are X number of people we're going to try to target, but you're like, yeah, but we have X number of people based on, you know, long-term data. What about, you know, the, the ins and outs or what about, you know, what about, you know, Bob who broke his foot and now has to take the elevator. Now the elevator's out. We didn't think about Bob 
you know, when we did this because Bob didn't have this, this, you know, foot issue three months ago, you know? Mm-hmm. And so the, the perspective is invaluable. I mean, the perspective, I mean, that you get from other people, the things you don't think about. And then obviously, you know, again, like being on the digital side of it, thinking, okay, well, how can we communicate this? That's important. We need to communicate this. It's not just how it's like, we need to, and, and how can we make this a priority? So that's, mm-hmm. that's the most invaluable thing of, of, of all of going to, like I said, going to talks, talking to people, you know, and, and being part of, of these teams is how much your eyes become open to the things that you just, you know, that are outside of your purview. They're just not in your day to day. Yeah. And I'm sure. I'm sure accessibility can... cannot happen in a vacuum. No, no. <laughs> yeah. the, and the other one, the other one is, you know, we, we look at accessibility scores and we think, Oh, 93, I got an A. Perfect. I'm going to put this on my fridge so my mom can see it when I get home. But it's like, no, 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 100. You need 100, 100. Because 93 mm-hmm. means 7, you know, 7% is not accessible. 7% of people can't access right. this stuff, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those are two things I always try to, you know, I always try to keep you know, in mind. A, we got to go for all the way. And B, I don't know anything. Keep, keep you know, mm-hmm. keep finding out, you know, keep learning, keep taking it in, you know, be mindful. Mm-hmm. So it, for the for the bigger organizations that that might listen to this, because I know they're going to see the name Lafayette, they're going to be like, oh, I have to listen to this episode because I'm at XYZ other college or university. Right. I want to hear mm-hmm. what they're doing. What are some of like the the KPIs that get repeatedly brought up with this accessibility group or just in your own in your own organization? Like, what are you what are you constantly thinking about? What numbers are you paying attention to? Or is it even numbers? Um. I don't know if I'd say so much numbers so much as um, I mean, on the, on the digital side. So, so the bigger meeting um, like, like we're, you know, the, the campus wide meeting, it's, it's usually about, you know, taking in, like I said, taking in each individual department's needs um, and figuring out how to communicate that, I guess, and, and, and keep it in check. But for our own internal ones, which is the one we focus on more um, it's it, a lot of it usually tends to be, the, the things we, we keep uh, in mind most is physical accessibility in terms of, of I'm sorry, well, I guess for, for, you know, on the digital front, making sure that people, mm-hmm. you know, who have any kind of, um, any kind of, you know, needs are, are accounted for, uh, mm-hmm. be it, you know, keyboard accessibility, huge. Got to make sure that's always ready to go. Um, anything, anything that could provide an audio, uh, audio or, 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 you know, I guess visual, um, assistance that's 100 on par we always have to look for anything like that so if we find a link or so something make sure I mean, you have captions on video captions on everything captions on mm-hmm. divs captions i mean titles you know on 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 links to make sure that every link is described properly for for the hearing impaired that's that was yes you're thing. not saying learn more <laughs> not not yeah not a thousand learn mores it's and if we if for some reason you know somebody does have like five learn mores we make sure that there's at least a, a audio described title that says learn more about x but mm-hmm. we, we, you know, for the most part, we do our best to not even just do the learn more, learn more, learn more. It's, you know, apply today, click here to learn more about application or application process, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, descriptive text, always, always, always a thing we're looking for. Any, like I said, any kind of keyboard uh, issues, any kind of, you know, anything that, that would allow, anything that would make it so somebody cannot, you know, traverse the site. We're always, those are things that, you know, we're on top of right away. Um always do transcripts for all videos. Uh, that's one thing we're always going over with our video vendors, ensuring that our transcripts are ordering transcripts for every video, uh, providing them uh, as close captioning and as audio transcripts for, um, 
for every every you know every video we make. Yeah, so someone that's... who's deaf blind they can't use the captions; they need the transcript. Right. Correct. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'm curious with all of this, and you know the number of people you have. Because I'm sure, you know, you talked about your your core content creators that work on the main sites is like mm-hmm. six to eight. That's easy to manage, right? But right. how do you communicate to all those students and all those faculty members on the thousands of sites that they're creating? Um, how, is, how have you all thought about that, like educating them in accessibility? And um, how, how are you managing that sort of thing? Like, how do you tell them not to create learn more links? <laughs> Right. And and all right. So we do have a, all right. So that's, you know, with all those sites, that means that obviously we're not individually um, updating all the content. So we do have communications division that does the, that does, you know, scan content. And we do uh, that's another part, you know, we're, we're always looking um, we, we will out, we will reach out to people. We will reach out mm-hmm. to, you know, we will go through um, obviously we can't do it right away. Um, but that's one of the things that that has always been a challenge for us is how do we do accessibility scans on the fly? Um, and I do see that you, you know, with, with WordPress that you, you do have uh, a gate for that. You do have a, a accessibility checkers. And that's one thing that we've always run into issues with is, um, yeah, trying to find a lot of the SAS well. tools don't do it instantly. No, no. Yeah. we've, we've, we've tried a couple things that are supposed to do it and it doesn't work. Usually we, you know, because of, uh, Usually it's, it's, it's anything with the WordPress multi-site. We find that some people that some other services choke on, um, mm. which, you know, not necessarily to their discredit. I mean, sometimes, you know, things change and it's, it's hard to keep up with and there's security, you know, protocols and things. So I certainly understand why it's, it's, it's a struggle, but it it's also a struggle for us. So, so yeah, so uh, uh, unfortunately there's not a great way to do it. So we do have various community of practice um, sessions working sessions where we, you know, we outreach to the admins. We do, you know, every, every site has very specific, you know, uh, people, you know, admins and secondary admins. And we do have um, training sessions and seminars, things like that, where where we're constantly going out and talking to them and providing documentation. We've got a whole help documentation. Uh, We do provide accessibility reports to them um, on a regular basis. Same with uh, other analytics and and just various you know site status reports. So we are we are constantly communicating with them, but uh, obviously you know it's always like a, hey this is what what went wrong before. It's like you know obviously we want to say well, how can we be forward thinking about this, which is mm-hmm. you know where where some kind of a some kind of a filter would be nice. Um, but beyond that, just uh, we do our best with the educational piece of it and, and constantly trying to you know keep people up to you know up to date. And obviously with 170 sites, you know, statistically people are going to come and go, you know, at varying intervals, especially, you know, some people move to other departments, some people, you know, leave, some people retire. So, you know, we're we're constantly, you know, redoing this, you know, several times a year to to make sure that people are up to date. And you know, we're always, we're mm-hmm. always, we always have like a door open policy. We're like, hey, just submit a ticket. We will come to you. We will sit down with you. We will go over this with you. We will explain this to you anytime, you know, and, and you know, that's and, and that's that's a big part of what the web content team does. That's one of my favorite parts of the job, aside from, you know, just, you know, what I do is just how uh, coming, like, like I said, from, coming from marketing to, to, you know, being, you know, in higher ed, I still got to maintain that, that uh, those relationships with people. Those you know, I had to sit down with people and, and have that, that conversation, this communication. I thought that was, 
that was one of the things I, I thought I would miss most. And it turns out it's not missing at all. It's there. Um, and uh, I'll tell you, we, we work with some terrific people throughout the departments, the people who, you know, who manage the sites tend to be very passionate about their own content, you know, um, especially those, you know, like for the, you know, uh, the admission side, the, uh, the counseling side, the health side, you know, things like that. Their people tend to, you know, take their content very seriously. And when they see something wrong in a report, they will reach out, which is very nice. It's, it's very, uh, reassuring that it's not just us and you know despite the fact that we have a small team we know we're not in it alone Mm -hmm. yeah that that education and that outreach is is critically important especially Mm -hmm. as an organization gets larger um and you're you're echoing a lot of things that i have heard from other organizations like yours you know via turnover in the organization, losing knowledge, other people are coming in or moving around sure. and making sure everybody stays up to that standard um, can be can be incredibly challenging. I, I would be curious to know, like, because you've been at Lafayette for a couple of years, mm-hmm. um, has there has there been like a, a change that you all have made in a process or a new practice you've introduced in the last couple of years um, where you just thought like, man, if, if I had done, if every university could do this, it would, it would really, really help them. Um, or just any, any advice or recommendation you might have for someone who's sitting in your shoes. Um, only there may be a little further behind. I don't know that there's been any radical changes other than, like I said, making it a priority. Um, I don't, I, I, again, I, I can only speak for the last two years. I don't know, you know, I, I ask questions, but there's so much to take in when you start at a place, you know, that's been going for a long time with people who have been there for, you know, 10 plus, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, you know, uh, you catch up as you go, um, you know, on an as needed basis. But uh, I think this, I think, like I said, what we're doing now with this accessibility initiative in, in terms of of creating this hub has been a tremendous experience for a lot of people because it is starting to make people take a look at themselves beyond just like I said what a scanner can do what a what a you know um what a person can do and we we are looking to we haven't implemented yet but we are looking to get people we're we're looking to add manual scans as well in addition mm-hmm. like real mm-hmm. real world people you know people to come in and say you know I can't see I'm going to check your website with my my tools mm-hmm. Uh, I, I need, you know, I can't use a mouse. I'm going to check, you know, so we are, we are looking to kind of implement that as well on top of everything else, because, you know, uh, you know, as people who, who, you know, focus our careers around technology, we know that there's nothing like, you know, real people testing your product, you know, the technology is great and it's, it's, you know, we're, we have to have it and we, you know, we want it to get better and we, you know, we're going to keep you know, seeking out what's better, but, you know, in the end we're, we're, we're focusing our efforts on people and, and there's nothing more telling than people, you know, looking at our product. I so think that is something. Yeah. I was going to say, I think there's this really interesting line between technical WCAG web content accessibility guidelines, compliance mm-hmm. and actual accessibility mm-hmm. <laughs> and usability. Like there's this really interesting overlap and and that's something that's come up because we when we build new websites we always include some user testing on mm-hmm. them generally. Oh sure. And sure. and and sometimes things come up during the accessibility user test that is not really a. It's not just an. It's like it's an accessibility problem, but it's actually more of like a overall use. Like it would impact everyone. It's just yes. like 
Because sometimes when we're designing sites or writing content or building a site, we're all like, we know how this is supposed to work. Yes. <laughs> and so we test it. We're all like, it's great. And then you get someone who's never seen it before. And they're just like, I don't understand why this, like, we just saw, we just had testing on a website and someone came in and there were tabs. And I'll tell you, we very strongly advocated for there should only be one row of tabs to mm. change the content down below. But the client really, 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 really wanted to put everything on the homepage. Yes. Right? So, so there were like multiple pages. There's like three rows of tabs. And we kept being like, no. Yes. But finally, we're just like, well, maybe this will come up in testing. And it did. And actually, it was someone from their own company was testing. And they're like, it took me a while to figure out that when I click this, it changes the content down below. And I was like, oh, I told you. <laughs> I've, been, I've been there with that exact scenario. But until a user says it, yep. like people don't always realize. Like right. you just think, well, it makes sense to me. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And we yeah. do. We do. We do. We have. um several usability testing measures that we go through. We have a whole process uh, for when we when we launch a new platform or site or when we test one. But going back to the student thing I was talking about, that was one of the big things that that uh, that, that talk I went to, you know, focused on was getting them in early on before it even gets to like, you know, your your more structured usability testing. Like just get it get it, you know, get a demo of a pro of a system and put mm -hmm. it down in front of the students. Put it down in front of a couple faculty members. See what they think before you spend any time putting any you know time or effort into trying to budget for it, or just just get a demo, figure it out. And, and I thought, God, that, that's such a great way to do it. I mean, mm -hmm. and, and and this is yeah, like, try to like be more nimble and, about it. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm, we're seeing a lot in 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 terms of like project intake, in terms of like how to streamline the process to make it more efficient before it even becomes an intake process. You know. Uh, you know, just kind of like gating it, you know, just doing a better job gating things before you even determine if it's worth your while to look, you know, more in depth in. And uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, like you said, sometimes just getting a person to sit down in front of something and be like, this doesn't know. No, don't do this. It it's, <laughs> saves you lots of time, lots of time, lots of money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. I'd like to go back a little bit because you said when you interviewed, um, at Lafayette, they even asked you about accessibility then. So yes. for developers that are trying to learn more about accessibility and or, you know, might be thinking, I want to apply somewhere where they're going to ask me that question. Do you have any advisors like there? What where did you start learning? What resources did you find helpful? Um, what would you advise for developers who want to learn more about accessibility? Well, so when I first became aware of accessibility, was with um, a banking client, you know, years ago, and they got audited, and and you know, it got brought to our attention. And obviously, there were always things, you know, that we always tried to keep involved, you know, keep in mind. But you know, as you start, as you keep, you know, building onto a system, building on, you know, accessibility things are only kept up by people who understand accessibility measures, which isn't always the case. So that was a, that was a huge um, eye opener when we got hit. Um, uh, we had a client that came and said, look, our site got hit with all these accessibility issues. Um, and they came and they, they, you know, they, they provided us with a list of everything and we're like, wow, didn't know that mattered. Wow. Didn't know that mattered. Okay. Yeah. That um, first one is always a little eye opening. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, so from there it's like, okay, I need to figure out what this means and how to adapt this moving forward. Like how, how do I always keep this in mind? Because I don't want to ever get hit with this again. Um, so then you start looking around now, obviously, um, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of great resources. Just like you know, uh, when you start googling, you know, 
you know, uh, WCAG, you start looking around for that stuff. Um, there's a lot of uh, just on, on like the government sites that kind of give you an idea, but it, it's, it's something that gets to be wordy and doesn't always, isn't always very, you know, telling in a real world situation. Um, there's obviously the like wave accessibility is a great way to kind of get, a, get an idea of how your site is, um, is functioning, but you know, it's not the end all be all. But the, you know the the best way to do it. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, is be curious. Always be curious and never stop researching. So you start to look at some of these things. You start to run your site through a couple accessibility checkers, whichever one it may be, and really fully understand why it flagged you. And not just like look and say, "How do I fix this?" But like understand why they care. You know. So it, it you know it. And that's the thing about all a lot of our accessibility and a lot of people in our accessibility teams is is there's a passion there. It's not just about knowing what it means is about caring what it means we have people who have um various friends family members with accessibility needs uh i myself had a blind grandmother and you know grew up with like helping her and understanding you know what it meant to try to like she had she was blind in one eye and almost completely blind, blind in the other eye she could see sometimes mm -hmm. at the right angle with magnifying devices like to read a newspaper she had like like kind of like the equivalent of a of a projector mm -hmm. uh, those old projectors we had in school like they would mm -hmm. should have to like put it under stuff and it, it would like increase it and like she could like read out of the side of her eye that was the best she could do um so every i think every one of us has kind of uh an influence and therefore a passion and and i think passion is the number one thing you have to actually care about what you're what you're trying to do um but beyond that you know it's just it's just a never-ending uh educational experience and and that's that's kind of how we see it so the second we find something if we get flagged for something that's new we tear it apart like like we, we need to know every instance uh, every, every every uh you know every reason why this matters and how to make it so it never happens again. You know, I don't mean tear it apart like negatively. I mean, like we, we break it down, you know, on an atomic level to understand why it is that this matters, why it is this happened and how it is that we can make sure this never happens again. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, like I said, it's, it's the passion in the people because the people who were parts of this meeting, nobody was mandated to be there. Like in this group, nobody, nobody was told they have to be there. It was people who, who said, yeah, we should be here. I want to yeah. be here, you know? So yeah, it's about having a passion. It's about, you know, being, you know, very dedicated to inclusion. Yeah. I think, um, I think that's the thing that I didn't really realize until I started working is how large of a number of people are impacted mm -hmm. by different accessibility features on websites or on the TV or, you know, out in the world. Right. right? Um, and it's interesting because since I've gotten more involved, of course, I've made friends who are blind. Um, we have we have employees on our team um, who do work for us who are blind. Mm -hmm. um, but even but even beyond that, um, you know, I've spoken at conference and I remember one conference I spoke and someone came up to me and she was telling me this story about how her child who's under 10 had suddenly started having seizures and it was so bad. And now he's wheelchair bound. And it just happened all of a sudden. She was right. saying, you know, how much and 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 it's just like there there's so many people out there that we don't maybe we don't notice them, which is a little bit sad, but we don't notice or we don't see them. And, but I think if you pay more attention, you start to realize that it is actually a very huge number of people. And I mean, even I can think of like um, Ryan Bracey, who's one of our co-organizers on uh, the WordPress Accessibility Day conference. He gave a talk at uh, a meetup once and he was talking about how he was colorblind. 
And it's like, I've, you know, been working with them. I had no idea, right? But he's yep. like, I can't tell the difference between red and green. <laughs> I was going to bring that exact thing up. Yeah. I have, I have a, a good friend of mine is, um, he's colorblind. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> you don't realize until he's driving and he's like, what color is the light? I'm like, what? He's like, no, I know the light. that one's lit up. But you start to think <laughs> so, like, oh my God. If they change the order, he would probably be yeah, in trouble. Yeah. Oh, he'd be, he, he'd be in serious trouble. I would have been in trouble. Um, mm-hmm. but, have you but, seen but, those stoplights where they're different shapes? Yes. I think in Europe That's they're neat. starting to do that. Yeah. I don't know if I've seen that in the United States. I've only no. seen it on the internet, but I was like, that seems like a really good idea. Yeah. But no, but I mean, but, but that put a, that was a big perspective for me. And, and you know, I was going to bring that up while you're, uh, I thought about when you're talking, you know, again, like we think about like, okay, we have to, we have to cater to the blind, which of course we do, but don't forget there's colorblind too. And that matters too. And this is why contrast, color contrast is a huge, and color choice is such a huge, 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 you know, um, uh, endeavor. Like you've got, you've got to be ready for this. You've got to be, you've got to be thinking about everybody, you know, at all times. And, you know, we always joke that, you know, the most uh, accessible site is just a black and white document. And uh, it's true to a point. I mean, like a t- like if, if you go to a website and it looks like a Word document, it's like, yeah, that's probably about as accessible as, you know, that's if you really want to get to the highest standard. But, um, but you know, obviously we don't, we don't want to do that for, for a million reasons, but think about those people. Think about the people who, who, you know, you're not thinking about. It's, that's, that's, that's always, that's always what we're trying to do. Yeah. And this is something that our CTO has said before, and I wish he could be here to say it's Steve, but he's he's not a guest today, obviously. Mm-hmm. But he he has said that it used to be really easy to make websites accessible because basically you didn't have a choice. You were just right. doing stuff in HTML right. and everything worked. <laughs> and right. it wasn't it wasn't until we started layering on, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, JavaScript, like yep. CSS, all yep. this stuff, and, and started getting really flashy with everything that accessibility has really come back to the forefront because right. we've we've regressed as things have gotten more complex which makes sense as the web has gotten more complex just like our real world is complex we've we've learned that we have to we have to make these perfectly reasonable and necessary accommodations to to make it so that everybody can use the stuff um if you really want to uh if you really want to get somebody riled up, uh, especially in my field, <laughs> mention uh, accessible PDFs. Oh, man. That okay, wait. Is... So that can be our final question before we wrap up. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask a, a first very short one, and then you can mm-hmm. talk longer. So the first one is, do you allow random faculty members to put PDFs on your website? <laughs> no. Okay, yes. So so that's an interesting thing. It's like I've heard a lot of universities are shifting this direction where I mean, there's even some where they literally the PDF extension file extension is blocked in the WordPress media. Uh, no, we, yeah, we don't. Uh, I, I guess but, uh, uh, you know what I should say. We try not to. Yeah. So uh, how do you handle PDFs at Lafayette? They're all checked. They're all scanned. I mean, and and, mm-hmm. and again, they're a part of the report. Uh, mm-hmm. The reason I bring this up again, again because I remember the first time I was hit with an accessibility PDF thing. I'm like. What do you mean accessible PDF? What does that even mean? You know, and this is again years ago. And then I started looking at it and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But yeah. it's still it's a pain. And and not a lot of accessibility check, not at least at the time, not a lot of accessibility checkers were doing much about PDFs, didn't have the capability. Yeah, we don't to do it, we know? don't do them yet. What do you use for PDF testing? Um, I believe our PDF stuff comes from site improve. Okay. I think, okay. I think yeah, I know Common Look is another one that a lot of people use for PDFs or Able Docs. Well, there, yeah. there's a, so again, back to a uh, Hyatt web back in or last month, uh, one of the things that came up, like somebody brought this up in an accessibility working group meeting 
uh, or like they had like the, the workshop or accessibility workshop and somebody brought it up and, and I swear like people almost rioted like they're like because like, it's all developers and structural technologists and, and web content managers who were just like we don't know we don't know what to do and there was one guy there uh, I really wish I had his name I, I look back through him he might be an interesting guy to get on your on the podcast uh, this is a guy who works for a company that uh, does very high level I mean very expensive company um that does like high level accessibility checking, like guarantees, you know what I mean? Like, like almost on a mm. legal level. Uh, mm-hmm. But he would probably be a good guy to get a lot of perspective from. Cause he stood up and he was like, all right, crowd in control. I got you. And uh, he like, he like, you know, he, he, he put the crowd, but like he, but it, it's true. It's, it's a problem. It's out there and then, and it's gotta be solved. So yeah, definitely, uh, definitely PDFs are, 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 you know, always a pain. So we're always checking for them. We try not to let people, you know, that's why we try to keep our admins, you know, uh, limited, but uh, we can't stop PDFs. I mean, there's just too much of that. Uh, we do we do block certain file types, um, especially anything with any kind of scripting or any kind of modification. You know, but like, but uh, there we do try to limit you know various file types, scripts, and stuff like that. Yeah, so, um, I don't know if you know you know Rachel Cherry probably yes. from being oh, yeah, at yeah, WP yeah. Campus. Yeah. So she coded something for Cornell, mm-hmm. um, where. If a, anyone tries to upload a PDF to their WordPress website, it grabs it and mm-hmm. it doesn't put it in the media library. Mm-hmm. It instead sends it, I'm going to call it Dropbox. It might not be Dropbox, but to a, a file system like that, to a specific folder. And mm-hmm. then what happens is the person who tried to upload the PDF gets notified of what the cost for remediating the PDF will be, like okay. to their departmental <laughs> budget. And then they get to make a choice. <laughs> And then, and, and then it, and then once it's, if they are like, yes, let's move forward, then it gets moved, it gets remediated and put in a different folder. And then that folder automatically uploads it to the WordPress media library. Okay. That's, and that's, so they have literally been that's like, awesome. we're hijacking. It has to be checked. But I mean, I think I've, I've heard, I talked to someone at, I think, um, Ken, who had said that they had been sued and they had a hard line, no PDF policy because mm-hmm. they were like it's too much work it's too hard so they're just like everything needs to be a web page yeah yeah and and that's uh it's funny because uh i have a I, I do a little freelance on the side too and a freelance client came to me the other day and they were using a um it's one of the rare things i didn't oversee for them but they they were like hey we need to turn our terms of service into a web page i said yeah i turned it into a web page years ago what are you doing <laughs> And it's a PDF. <laughs> they they had a PDF that they put onto their site and they were using that link to share it around to other places. Oh my gosh. And I said, I said, well, it's already a web page. I'll just take your PDF and update the content if that's what you want me to do, or you could do it. But I didn't know they were doing this. They they, you know, it's they weren't linking, like it wasn't like the site was linked to it. And that was the worst part. They were just sharing this around in like in app in like app stores and and in emails oh, and you know, to customers. Uh, and I'm not. That could be that. bad though, because I think I've heard that there were cases where terms of where it came out that like a person the terms of service did not apply to a person with disabilities because the court was like they legally like they had no way of accessing this or agreeing to it. So guess what? Or privacy right. policy, right? Right. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. That's you probably the, one of the most important pages on your website. 
to make sure everyone can access it. Well, especially because for validation purposes, various, you know, high level platforms will scan them to make sure you have a web version of them. They won't even look mm-hmm. at your, they don't care if your, your document, your PDF successful or not, because they care that it's a PDF and they don't want anything to do with it. So mm-hmm. right away, you're going to get flagged just based on the fact that it's a PDF. Now, obviously, like in our case, we can't stop all PDFs because people will use them for supplemental tools. And that's what we try to, you know, we try to be like, look, yeah, if you want to give a, a download or something or a document if it's a form that somebody needs you know like on say like an admission site or or you know any kind of internal site yeah we understand you got to give this you know downloadable form but don't make that your content don't make that the main you know don't be like hey we're having an event click here to read the pdf about our event it's like no 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 yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think what website. i've seen from the some of the newer guidance from ocr the office of civil rights was um if there is a class where they know that there are no students with disabilities in that specific class for that specific term, mm-hmm. then there is no obligation for the faculty member or the, the university to provide an accessible PDF mm. as long as they're not publicly publishing them on the web. <laughs> right. And, but if they're like password protected or whatever, and they literally know because there's no students that have been identified with having, you know, a specific need, then it's okay that they're not accessible and they're not going to enforce accessibility of those documents. However, the moment there is a student or the moment they start like widely distributing it to the public, right? Like it's an open EDU course or something, right. then it has to be accessible. But right. if you know who you're distributing to and you know their needs, then it's okay. Right. Yeah, I've, I haven't heard anything like that internally, but that sounds, uh, I, I feel like- I mean, always... honestly though, like what's harder, just making the thing accessible or tracking all of right, your- right. Every person right. who got every it. Every single person, right? And knowing right. what their level of, of capability is to interface with something digitally. like, And, that, and that's why we try to get our, wrap our head around every- any kind of issue that's brought to our attention right away so that we understand why and we understand how to just not have it be an issue again, ever again. Mm-hmm. And if you mm-hmm. understand, you know, or if, if you have the ability to make something a PDF accessible and sometimes I guess you're allowed not to make it accessible, it's like, well, but you already have the ability to make it accessible. What if you want to so reuse this document? You? Yeah. Like why? Like what? And again, going back to what, you know, uh, what we were talking about earlier. Sure. You don't need it accessible now. Well, what if, somebody you know out playing a sport gets hit in the eye and can't read well you know what i mean like and, and now he needs a screen reader like to to read their course documents that were given to them throughout yeah the, you want to have to remake all of your course documents in the middle of the semester with like two days notice right probably right. not yeah. <laughs> right yeah yeah what did you gain that's and that, yeah that that to me just yeah that that, that seems uh you know, a bit i don't know a bit careless and unnecessarily so mm-hmm. yeah well I, f- I feel like, you know, the, you know, the meme and we can wrap, I, I know we're getting close to time, but you, you know, the meme, this, this uh, meeting could have been an email. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we need a different, a different one for on like a t-shirt. That's like this PDF could have been a web page. Right. I, 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 <laughs> oh, I that's we, great. That's we great. can add that to our list of t-shirt yes. ideas that we keep getting, but we haven't made the shop for yet. At some point, mm-hmm. we're going to set up for accessibility craft. We're going to make a, a t-shirt shop that people can just go buy t-shirts. So oh, I, that's, yeah. I think yeah. that is a great one, Chris. <laughs> I would I would, I would, would absolutely buy that. I would absolutely buy that t-shirt. 
<laughs> wear it to your next accessibility group. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Oh, I'm not. I, yeah, I'm not above buying uh, uh, development based uh, t-shirts. Uh, you know that only like twelve people I know get. I'm I'm all about that. I'm all about that. Yeah. Absolutely. Those wow. are the twelve people that you know uh, yes. should be your friend. Exactly. Uh, exactly. <laughs> if you know, all if right, you know, well, we're tight. <laughs> Yeah, I, I had Thank one you, uh... person out in the world. I was wearing a make WordPress accessible t-shirt. Some random stranger was like, I love that shirt. And I was like, I feel like I should know you now. So let's talk. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. That's a deep bond. Okay. <laughs> For sure. So well, Jim, can... uh, oh, Amber, before you, you have say another... thanks. Yeah, I was just going to say, okay. let's give Jim a, a chance. If anyone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Um, My email. Nick Nick J. Yes, Nick Nick's my last name. N I C N I C K J at Lafayette.edu. And do you Usually use any of the socials, LinkedIn or anything like that? You know, I am on LinkedIn. I think I'm just, I'm just James Nick Nick on LinkedIn. And uh that's about it uh for, for social media for me at the moment. That's uh Good that's call. all I'm, 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 so, <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of got to a point. It, it's not that it was just hard to keep up with. It was mm-hmm. like trying to keep up with everything. Um I'm still technically on Facebook. Um my Twitter got hacked. I got it back and I never really did anything with it. Um, I'm not on Mastodon currently. I am, I'm on Discord. Uh, I'm actually trying to set up a Lafayette. I haven't mean to set up a Lafayette account. I have a, a personal one, but um, I'm, I'm technically there, but I've just kind of, you know, uh, LinkedIn is one I still get notifications for uh, under James Nicknick. But yeah, email is usually, you know, the best way to get a hold of me because uh, I'm always checking my email. We'll get ready for a flood in your communications for the <laughs> millions of people that listen to this podcast every single week. I'll, uh, I'll no. tell my team of administrative <laughs> assistants to be ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Jim, thank you so much for being on. Oh, thank you for uh, having me. Thank this you for, for pushing us into uh, Belgian territory here with this beer. Absolutely. Shout out to Voodoo Love Child for the delightful drink for my Friday afternoon. Not sure how productive I'm going to be uh, from this point forward. Um, <laughs> but uh, thank you. Thank you very much for being here. And thank, thank you, you for doing always. this podcast. I want to say thank you for that. This is this is an awesome thing that, uh, you know, as we talked about, you know, it's it's a, you know, it's it's about passion, right? And uh, I think it's awesome you guys do that. Thank you for having me. And but you know, more oh, thank, thank you. you for doing this. Yeah, right. thank you. We'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening to Accessibility Craft. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe in your podcast app to get notified when future episodes release. You can find Accessibility Craft on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. And if building accessibility awareness is important to you, please consider rating Accessibility Craft five stars on Apple Podcasts. Accessibility Craft is produced by Equalize Digital and hosted by Amber Hines, Chris Hines, and Steve Jones. Steve Jones composed our theme music. Learn how we help make thousands of WordPress websites more accessible at equalizedigital.com.